Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to the final post-game live here for the 2022-23 regular season here on Dime Dropper, season three of Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on Dime Dropper on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also find this. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. And yeah, also subscribe to Locked on Clippers on YouTube. Whether you're a Clipper fan or not, need all the support I can get. You already know how it is, man. Just trying to do my best to provide content for this world. And going to be providing a lot of content this week, every single day. Check it out. We are going to be going through every series, hopefully with a fan from each team participating in those said series. But right now, in this episode, I'm just going to go through them. But first, we got to react to the big news The Clippers getting the W in Phoenix, doing what was needed, closing out the season with three consecutive victories, and it was getting really nervy. It was kind of, I want to say, soccer group stage-like today. Everybody playing simultaneously, not knowing who's going to play who in the next round. I feel like the more we kind of go on, I feel like Adam Silver is trying to do some imitation soccer stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get into Adam Silver's ways in this episode and keep it on the basketball being played and the Clippers won win this game you automatically play Phoenix you don't win this game you leave it up to what happens in other games to dictate whether you play sixth or seventh so I was just my mindset was avoid the plan at all costs I hate the plan we got burned by it last year I don't want to deal with it especially if it means playing against the Lakers in the first round not because we have a tough matchup against the Lakers. We have a great matchup with them just because that game is also not really going to be a home game. I don't want to deal with it. And it's also going to be too expensive, man. I, You know, I got to go to these games now. But anyway, by the way, speaking of the, uh, going to games, the vlog of the Blazers game will be up later tonight, I promise. So that'll be the last regular season vlog. And then we get to playoff vlogs, and that's going to be amazing. But Clippers against the Suns, it was the same thing we saw yesterday. And I didn't go live yesterday here, but I talked about it in my episode of Locked On Clippers today. Also going to be releasing an episode for it tomorrow. But the Clippers, you just don't know which Clip team you're going to get. There's a side of the Clippers that doesn't give a shit on defense. That comes out, everybody's walking around. Eric Gordon, Russ. In today's game, Kawhi didn't even play that good at defense. He was getting destroyed on screens. And until the second half, I mean, he was getting blown by too. He wasn't doing anything. Westbrook, he wasn't doing great. He was hurting us in the half court, even though he was one of the only people scoring. He made a couple of shots, but I thought just... The thing about Russ is sometimes it doesn't go in the stats, but when guys are literally just kind of sitting in between he and uh, Kawhi, just kind of stunting at Kawhi and then retreating, stunting and retreating, if Kawhi's pass isn't crisp on time and Russ doesn't attack right away, 
they can recover easily. So I saw Ty Lue make an adjustment, and it's a good adjustment. Keep an eye on it for the playoffs of Russ not being one pass away. Have Russ two passes away so when Kawhi gets the initial double and then he kicks it out to the first pass, that guy's like Eric Gordon or Nico Batum. So whoever is guarding Russ has to come rotate because they don't want to leave that guy open for three. They want to leave Russ open. But that gives the extra pass, or should I say when the extra pass is made, that gives Russ a line drive to really pick up steam as opposed to, he passes the ball. They kick it out. The defense has an easier chance to get back. So just keep an eye on that. But it was a shit first half for the Clippers. They were terrible. I mean, Kawhi was also bad offensively, in my opinion, in the first half. Taking too long again. It was exactly like yesterday. Just taking too long. Teams were, you know, helping off a of Russ, doubling him. So that wasn't making his life any easier. He was missing his contested mid-ranges when they were doubling or loading up. And then he was just getting stripped. He got stripped two straight times, complaining for a foul, didn't get back. We get scored on. Nico wasn't doing anything. He wasn't getting any open shots off. And again, it was the bench mob. Five bench players playing. Rocco, Terrence, Mason, Bones, and Norman. And they weathered the storm a little bit. And this time it was Bones Highland. Uh, We saw a little bit of this in the Laker game in the fourth quarter. But he was able to get some buckets. Get in the pick and roll. Had a couple of step backs in there. Snaking his way through the screen. I love Bones Highland so far, man. Such an upgrade over Reggie. Defense is better. Uh, Even though he's not a very good defender, he's definitely better than Reggie was this season, man. I'm not even just saying that to hate. I love Reggie, but it was such a a win for the Clippers on that. But Robert Covington didn't get much time, man. He got a couple of minutes, and then Kawhi came right back in for him. You know, Ty wasn't trying to waste time, and it seemed like we weathered the storm a little bit. I thought Russ and Kawhi did a little bit better in that second stint in the first half. But we only scored 19 points in the first quarter, and we were down 53-48 to 48 at half. And again, it was similar to the Portland game where they were playing five out, and Mason Plumlee and Zoo were getting hurt on the screens. But I also think mainly, and this is the problem with a lot of Clipper games, not just this one, we don't have guys that consistently fight over screens. That's the problem. Our point of attack defense is weak. We don't stay in front of the ball well enough. But sometimes we do when we want to. And that's the thing. We need that want-to side to be there every single game in the playoffs. We can't have these lapses. And, and here's the thing. Whether how good the Clippers are is, are gonna, is gonna come down to how often we have quarters where we are on fighting through screens, sharp on rotation, sharp on communication, no lack of focus type of time, or we're gonna be on some dilly-dallying, not fighting over screens, being lazy. That goes for Russ. Honestly, Russ and Kawhi set the tone. Nicholas Batum is gonna be Nicholas Batum. EJ, if everyone else is playing hard defense and he's not, well, I don't think Ty's blind. He's gonna take him out. We have plenty of other options. But the bench, in my opinion, again in the first half for two straight games was the better rotation, was the better five. Second half, it looked like we were about to flip the switch just like we did against the... God damn it. Just like we did against the Portland Trailblazers yesterday. But And Don McClain even talked about it at the halftime show um, with Jeannie and Corey today. They were saying once the Clippers flip the switch on defense, that will take care of everything. And 
God, for those that are watching on the YouTube, I took like a step up in my chair and then my green screen just started freaking out. Like, what the fuck is good with that? Sorry for you, Apple Podcasts or Spotify listeners. And by the way, before I continue with anything in this third quarter, let's read some of the comments right now coming to you from the best supporters in the world, Dime Dropper Fam, 52 people on this Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to you all. Uh, I'm Muslim, obviously, so I don't celebrate Easter like that. But if any of you are, you know, Christian, happy Easter. And if you're just, you know, picking some eggs and hopefully you get some Cadbury. Those are my favorite. Um, not as good as Built Bar, though. I'm just kidding. Clippers Fanboy says, I didn't know what I wanted. Just because of how close the Pelicans game was, I'm just glad we made the playoffs and have another week for PG to get healthier before we play. Yeah, I wouldn't expect PG to come back during the first round just from what we were hearing and what I saw with him walking yesterday. Wearing a clip set Hoodie, I believe it was. He was wearing Clipset apparel, so that gives me an opportunity to shout out my boy Ernie over at LAClipset.com, making all the freshest Clipper merch all the time on every player. And he just sent me some dime shirts. At long last, I finally have some dime shirts. If you are an extra large or a large and want my face on your shirt, let me know in either the comments or the DMs, Twitter and Instagram, at DimeJumperPod. I also want to shout out Ernie because he also sent me this complimentary Jamal Crawford shirt. Three-time six-man of the year winner, Jay Crossover, one of my all-time favorite, not just Clippers, but players of all time. I've always wanted some Jamal Crawford merch. Shout out to Sixth Man. Two times for the Clippers, Jamal Crawford, and of course, Ernie. Some more comments. People are saying, let's see. Pizza Sword says, same. I think that is why we were within six the first quarter, and then by half, both teams were winning. So Tyloo said we should win. So you think they just flipped the switch? They were BSing in the first half to see what was going on? I don't know about that, man. Clippers fanboy said, Dime, are you happy that we got the fifth seed or just accepting of the fact that at least we aren't in the play-in? Don't worry, I'll get to that. But I think you can clearly tell by what I said at the top of the show, at the top of the recording, that I just wanted to stay out of that plan. No, I don't have any news about Paul George, by the way. Wispy Arson has said, Sacramento or Phoenix is a tough matchup either way. Phoenix has KD and Sacramento has young legs, which has been our problem since God knows when. Pizza Sword says, but Sacramento has little playoff experience. And that's the argument, right? But as I said, I just wanted to get win the game just to ensure we're in the playoffs. I just want guaranteed two home games, guaranteed to be playing in the playoffs after last year's catastrophe. And Go Clips Go says, it's revenge season dime. I feel it. Let's go whoop some sun ass. We need PG ASAP, though. Otherwise, it's going to be rough. But let's see. Um, can everybody hear me now? Can everybody hear me? Some people are saying I'm having a problem with my audio. Can everybody hear me now? Oh, I know why I'm having problems with my audio. I forgot to switch to the better Wi-Fi. Ay, Dios mío, santo, padre santo. Tell me how's it going, though. But let me just continue because I know it's not messing up for the audio. So as for the people listening on audio, let's just continue. In the third quarter, Kawhi started getting going. Kawhi started getting going and also Russ started getting going. Attacking uh, his open space, attacking the basket, attacking the offensive glass. But Kawhi started hitting his threes, started hitting his mid-range. Things started to change. But then the Suns came back with something. Towards the end of the third quarter, Chalk Landale was killing us. It was ridiculous. It was just like opening night. 
picking and popping, picking and rolling. As I said, when we have no resistance on resistance on screens, that forces the big men to come up, leaving their man open if the rotation isn't sharp. And those rotations were not sharp. I just don't think we were playing much defense. And in the third quarter, we outscored the Suns 34 to 33. And in the second half, Ty Lue did not want Robert Covington back in the game. He went nine deep, staggered Kawhi and Russ. And towards the end of the third quarter, I still was feeling a little nervy. You know, we're going to the fourth quarter down four in a must-win game. I mean, come on. And yes, it's a must-win game because at this time, I'm looking at the scores around the league and I'm like, you just Minnesota and New Orleans are like deadlocked. They're like deadlocked. So you can't predict anything. I'm not trying to play in the play-in. And in the fourth quarter, Russell Westbrook made so many big plays. But I got to give a shout-out to Norman Powell. He, to me, saved the Clippers today yet again. It's been three straight games. We've gotten great Norman Powell heading into the playoffs. That is amazing. Getting to his right, turning that corner, getting to the line. I mean, again, the whistle is back, ladies and gentlemen. He is getting that friendly whistle, the whistle that only Austin Reeves in this city gets that's on his level, getting to the basket, making things happen. The only thing for Norm is his three balls not yet there, but Ty went with a three-guard lineup to start the fourth quarter. Russ, Bones, and Norm. Not too fond of it, but it worked out. Against a Suns team that is obviously not even the real Suns, I mean, maybe it's going to work out. In the playoffs, I would have my reservations about a lineup like that. But Bones Highland was cooking, man. He made some plays, some big shots, and I just think he's been awesome lately. 11 points and 5 rebounds for Bones. If he can get your point backup point guard can get you 5 rebounds, I know a lot of them are long rebounds, and especially with the Suns playing 5 out and just chucking up a bunch of threes, like, it's... You know, there's going to be a lot of long misses that are not even contested. Like, you know, it's a funny stat. I think the Suns made it an effort or emphasis to run the Clippers off the line. Five for 23 from deep for the Clippers in this game. Only 23 three-point attempts. The Suns, 14 for 37. They shot 38% from deep. So that's part of the reason that they played well or stayed in the game. And I got to give them credit. Again, these teams with nothing to lose... Like, sometimes they can sneak up on you. They're NBA players. They have no pressure on them. And I think the Suns were running their sets really well, making really good reads, making shots. And finally, they started to cool down when the Clippers step up the defense. I mean, the fourth quarter, they scored 28 points, but they scored 25 points or more in every quarter. So this was not a good defensive performance for the Clippers heading into the playoffs. And considering KD, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton are sitting right there, I think every Suns fan probably feels like they got this series locked up. Like, this is going to be easy work. Like, we're nothing. But before I talk about the actual series, let me just finish on the game. Russell Westbrook made a couple of huge plays in that fourth quarter. But Bones Highland, Norman Powell, they were the ones that kind of kept the Clippers from going down too much. We were down by 10 points. I thought we had lost it. But Russ made some big plays. His three ball, again, was not too bad in this game. He was two for four from deep, so 50%. His two ball wasn't very good, though. A couple of those bank attempts, mid-ranges were no good. And I think he's got to be really strategic about the ones that he takes in the playoffs. I think when he's in rhythm, coming up the court with a full head of steam, I'm okay with the stop and pop mid-range. I'm okay with the little fade going to his right when he's posting up. Or should I say going to his left? But when his back turned, it's technically turning over his right shoulder. But those shots inside the key, I'm fine with those. But other than that, and if they're sagging off way, way too much of the three, yeah, step into the mid-range and rhythm. But besides that, I don't want too many of those. I don't know how I feel about that bank shot on the left that was memed to death last year. He hasn't had one of those just straight off the backboard misses with us. But 
again, in rhythm. I thought a couple of them were a little bit of a force, but Kawhi wasn't playing well in the first half either, so it is what it is. At the end of the day, Russ had some huge offensive rebounds, and with Russ in the dunker spot, he can make things happen, and I plan on seeing that, or I hope to see that, in the playoffs when inevitably the Suns are going to try to fuck with Russ mentally and not guard him. He's got to crash the glass. He had a couple of second, third efforts in this fourth quarter. A couple of nice passes like that one lob to Kawhi in transition. Beautiful play. And somebody I need to give a big shout out to in this game, Mason Plumley. He stayed in the game for the long haul in the fourth quarter because he made some plays again he was finishing around the basket there was a huge little I don't even know if it was a jump hook but it was like a running hook made when Ish Wainwright got like hit in the face or something or got the wind knocked out of him he went to the bench and he was hurt but it was a huge play when it was like the momentum of the game just kind of felt like it was in the balance and he got the ball in a repost from Bones Highland who he had just got into a little scuffle with before the end of the or right after the end of the third quarter and by the way, that last second play by Mason and Russell Westbrook, passing it to Russ and then Russ giving it back to him for the dunk was beautiful. But the reason why they had a little scuffle was because they had a miscommunication. And I like that they got that mad at each other because they're two guys coming off you know, from another team. They, they care. I like that. I want to see that fire. And you know what? When I saw Bones... You know, when Mason kicked it out to Bones, not only did he, he just set a screen for him, then he got the ball inside, kicked it out to Bones, and then Bones threw it back to Mason for the repost. That's when I knew it was fine. It was just basketball, just two grown men, you know, disagreement on the court, talking out with your boy, and you cool down, and you play ball. And that's all it was. And Russell Westbrook, that putback dunk he had was ridiculous, but Kawhi closed the game. I was getting a little nervous. Kawhi was missing shots. He wasn't as sharp defensively, but he closed the game. He got to his mid-range, got to the foul line, got inside the foul line, even hit a turnaround over his left shoulder. And I don't know which shoulder I think Kawhi's better over. He's pretty good with both. But I noticed something about Ty Lue's sets later in the quarter. He was running the actions, the curls, a lot closer to the basket, like similar to like the 80s or the 70s sets, where the actions just kind of start closer to the basket. You're running the screen, you know, you're setting the screens lower and you're running off of them tighter and get the ball. And even when you don't have a clear cut shot coming off that curl, you are already at the elbow. So Kawhi is one dribble away where you can just back down smaller guys. A couple times you got Shamit or a smaller guard, one dribble into his chest put it up right over him. We were trying to hunt out uh, Saban Lee on that switch, and we got some good looks. So Kawhi closed this game, even though he shot, well, he still shot well. It's amazing about Kawhi. He was over three from deep, but 11 for 21 overall, three for five from the line, which isn't very good, but 25 points, 15 rebounds. It did not feel like he had 15 rebounds. <laughs> Again, a lot of those are uncontested, so not all rebounds are created equal, but hey, you got to get rebounds, right? And not all of them had to be uncontested. 15 boards for Kawhi. We'll take that all day. Obviously, the leader on the team. Six assists, but he did turn the ball over four times. We need less of that. Four out of the 10 turnovers for the Clips. Russell Westbrook was just awesome in the second half, especially. 25 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, only two turnovers. Just missed the mid range, and he's just got to take, just continue to take good shots. Played 40 minutes, Russ. He was the uh, minutes leader for the Clippers in this game. 8 for 19 from the field, 2 for 4 from deep, 7 of 10 from the line. Got to the line 10 times. We'll take that all day. Norman Powell, probably my player of the game, though. 29 points, 5 rebounds, 12 for 22 from the field. 0 for 3 from deep, so still can't get the 3 ball to go. 5 for 7 from the line, but that 12 for 22 for the field, that's awesome. 
Mason Plumlee, 9 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. No turnovers. He was a plus 12, which was the highest of any Clipper. 4 for 6 in 22 minutes. Roko only played 5 minutes. Eric Gordon and Nico Batum each only played 21 minutes and combined for 6 points between the two of them. All 6 points were from Eric Gordon, who was 2 for 7 from deep, including a bang shot at the end of the second quarter uh, from deep. Nico, 0 points over 2, a pretty quiet game for him. But yeah, the Clippers win it 119-114. to And we'll be playing the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Man, it looks like my computer is really hot right now. So going to take a second. Do not leave the live. Leave the live. It's going to look like I am off, but I am not. I am just letting my computer cool down one second. Do not leave. For the audio people, this episode will continue. So let's get into the series now. We're playing the Suns in the first round. Oh my goodness. We're doing this again. Part three. I have to say, I really hate the Phoenix Suns. Like, I really hate them. Uh, I've never liked them. They gave me my first basketball heartbreak back in 2006. And... 2021 wasn't any easier, but I didn't expect to win that series. I Call me crazy, but I just posted a video about it. It was kind of a brief, just getting my thoughts out live on a dime. And by the way, I'm going to be doing a lot more of those lately. Probably not during the playoffs, but live on a dime just means in the summer I will. Where it's just me going live to talk about stuff. You can jump into the live. Anybody can jump into the live. These are the post-game lives that are just me. But I think we can do this, guys. I really do. And the reason why I say that is because I think size-wise we match up well with the Suns. We are deeper. There's nothing to go off of from this series. Nothing. Because the Clippers and the Suns have never played each other with KD. None of the matchups matter. But what I did see is the way Eric Gordon, Russ, those guys, and Norman Powell, the way they're capable of trying to slow down Devin Booker. They're not as cooked as you think because Book is not the quickest guy. He is an amazing mid-range shooter. He's just an amazing shooter in general, a mid-range sniper, gets to his spots, all that. But I really think we have guys that won't get destroyed on screens, especially with Chris Paul. I talked about it in the Locked On episode, but Ivica Zubats did such a good job of sitting on that right elbow against Chris Paul and taking away his looks coming off screens. And I think that he can do that again. I also think that KD will be the biggest problem, but Nico Batum... We're going to switch one through four probably. But if they hunt out Russ in the pick and roll against KD, that'd be interesting. I I would do that if I were them. But the thing about Russ is he's going to take it really personally with KD. And, you know, I think that's the beauty of this series that we got to talk about is all the storylines. Chris Paul is playing us again for the second time. I mean, that's tough, man. Like, I love Chris Paul. He's been away from us for so long now that it feels normal, but... The second time, we're going up against the guy that's arguably the greatest player in this franchise's history. No matter what anybody wants to say, it's a fact that he is arguably the greatest player in franchise history. And we're playing him for a second time. And last time they beat us, both times they've beaten us. The Suns are the only team besides the Jazz and the Rockets to beat us twice in a series. Nobody's ever beaten us three times in a series. And the only player that has beaten us three times in a series is Boris Diaw. But Kawhi Leonard has a, I mean, Kevin Durant has a chance of uh, tying him with this. KD's been tough both times, man. That's what obviously makes this team really scary is Kevin Durant. We played against him in OKC and against the Warriors, and he was just 
when he starts getting going, man, sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Like, you just got to hard double him. And if the other guys are making shots, like, it's just cooked. Josh Akogi, I think this is going to be a huge series for him. Like, we're going to see if he can make his open shots. He's going to be left open a lot. The Tory Craigs of the world, even our old friend Landry Shamit. It's going to be big for them. But expect to see, I would say if I had to put my money on it, a nine-man rotation. I don't know if it's going to be Bones or Rocco. It may be a ten-man rotation with Rocco playing like five minutes at a time when Kawhi's on the bench just to be out there if KD's in. But it'll. All, I think he's also going to stick with Kawhi playing the whole first quarter, then sitting the beginning of the second and we'll see about like how many minutes he plays. I'm thinking 38 to 40 minutes. But I think the reason why I give the Clippers a good chance in this series is because I think that defensively, if we get the best version of the Clippers, which I think we will, and the best version of Ty Lue, which his job has been made easier, by the way, with this whole Marcus Morris Sr. thing. Marcus Morris Sr. again out with back spasms. Guys, I, I told you about this deal. He didn't want to accept that he wasn't starting anymore, and he's just not going to play. That's what I think is going to happen. Ty Lue said get healthy. I don't know how true that is. Some of the beat writers are even liking my stuff when I say like about Marcus Morris and whatnot. I don't think he's actually hurt. I think we've seen the last of him as a clipper, which sucks, but it is what it's, it doesn't suck for this particular series and this postseason run. Ty Lue's job has been made easier by getting Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris out of here, who all season long, he just gave too long of a leash to relative to other players. Now... Since he's gotten those guys out, it's just a matter of leaning into defense. He's got to play Terrence Mann more. Who, by the way, I have to say was getting cooked today. He's got to be better defensively. Or else all the stuff we've been saying about Terrence Mann, this and that, doesn't really matter. He was getting blown by and the corner turned on him way too easily. Damian Lee got to the bucket on him. I forget who else got to the bucket on him. Saban Lee, maybe? He needs to be better defensively. But Terrence, between Terrence, Nico, Kawhi, EJ, if we get the good EJ and Russ... I think Booker, CP, and KD can be slowed down a bit. But Kawhi needs to also guard KD a lot. I think Josh Okoge is going to guard KD, uh, Kawhi the most. I think he will be helped out by Torrey Craig. But I also think KD will be guarding him as well. And I think the only way the Clippers can win the series is Kawhi be the best player in the series. I think Kawhi needs to be the best player in the series. And I think we need 18 to 20 points a night from Norm. Average. And I think the depth will be better for the Clippers, obviously. But that, those couple things need to happen. And it really all depends on what defensive team we get. Do we get Ty Lue that's locked in, making good adjustments, playing the players that are playing well, not going three guards? Or are we going to see the Ty Lue that's been tinkering all season, fucking around, playing three-guard lineups, playing guys more than they deserve to be played, not playing Terrence Mann enough when he's playing well, all this different shit. We'll see. I think we're going to get good Ty, so that's why I'm putting my money on him in this series. And I also think, like... We thrive as underdogs. I want to keep reiterating that. We thrive as underdogs. So that's why I'm feeling kind of weird about this series, man. Like, I have a, I don't think we're going to win the championship. I already said we're, after the Warriors game when we got beaten up by 20. Um, we're not going to win the championship. And as the fifth seed, you're just not going to win the championship. Like, it's not going to happen. If I'm wrong, hey, clown me. I'll be, I'll be drinking beers with you, clowning myself. But... I don't think we're going to win the championship, but I think we can win this series. I really do think so. I don't think Kevin Durant is this unstoppable force. Like, he is an unstoppable force one-on-one, but I don't think he's this demon in the playoffs that just destroys everybody. He's amazing in the playoffs, like every all-time great is. But, I mean, bro, he's not Kobe. He's not MJ. He's not LeBron. Like, I'm not scared of him like that. Even though he's beaten our asses twice and LeBron and Kobe have never played us in the playoffs. I don't know, man. This is another thing about Phoenix. 
They haven't played anyone with KD. Their toughest games were at OKC and at Dallas. They have not hit any adversity or been tested. Now, they may pass those tests with flying colors, but you tell me in game one or two, when they're playing against a real team for the first time in the first game that means something, and they've never hit adversity together, but we've been through the ringer together, I think it's going to matter. And I think this this is the series where the Clipper cr- crowd returns. It's been a really weird season. Fans have gone back and forth on social media, pessimist versus optimist, this and that. But this is where everyone comes together, and we hopefully put on a crowd performance that we haven't seen since 2015 against the Spurs. I am going to do another playoff preview, but I am calling out to all Clipper fans right now that live around Southern California or plan on attending these games. In 2015, there was a feeling in that building from the first game, from the second the teams came out of the tunnel to warm up, that the crowd knew that we were going to need everything to win that series. We were going to need every single ounce of noise, of pressure against the opposing team. Just they needed all the help they can get from the crowd. And this is another series like that. We're going up against a team that's expected to win the championship by some. They have Kevin Durant. They have Devin Booker. We don't have Paul George. If we had Paul George, it'd be a lot more 50-50. Now we are the underdogs and the Clippers thrive as underdogs. And one thing I cannot fucking stand is who we're playing against, who we might lose three times against, which will be the only team we've ever lost to three times, Phoenix, twice against Chris Paul since we parted ways, KD beating us for the third time, who I don't like. I don't like him, and I don't like the Suns. And it's just going to be really annoying if we lose, even with Paul George or not. But I'll say this, man. It's also very convenient, and it just sucks. I want to play these guys head-on, full healthy, fully healthy, but they ducked Kawhi last time, and they're ducking Paul George this time. Fucking hate it. I hate this team. But we're going to need everybody, man. It's going to be... And by the way, I just want to say this to put it in perspective. I never take for granted making the playoffs. My first five years as a fan... No, six years as a fan, five of those years we didn't make the playoffs. So and I never take it for granted. Like, And we didn't make it last year. So just being back is going to be fun. Two guaranteed home playoff games. I haven't experienced home playoff Clipper basketball... Uh, what am I saying? 2021 conference finals. But this is going to be full on, full on sold out. That was like 17,000 something. This is going to be 19K. I can't wait to be back. Um, hopefully, you know, there's going to be one game where it's on a weekend that the Phoenix fans come, a lot of them. But it's not going to be the same hype around the Suns in the first round than it was in the conference finals two years ago. Because that was their first time back in the playoffs in 2010. So there was a big buzz about it. There's going to be a big buzz about the Suns, but I think in later rounds. They're going to have a lot of Arizonans come. But I still think it's going to be packed to the brim with Clipper fans. And I think, bring your voice, man. These Clipper playoff logs, games three and four, are going to be amazing. I just need them not to be on a Saturday because I have obligations. I need them not to be on a Saturday. If they're not, if we're, we're, we're in business. Game three is obviously not going to be on a Saturday. But... Whiny one with a super chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar. A dime says, clearly Phoenix wanted to beat us. I would rather them play I would rather play them than Sacramento. I'm not worried. They underestimated the Raptors in 2019, too. Interesting. But let's talk about some of the other series. And before I move on, actually, I gotta say, when it comes to putting things into perspective and not taking for granted just being in the playoffs, I also don't take for granted that the little old clippers who are irrelevant and all that. Many times in the last 12 years, and I tweeted this, 
have had the first round series that's like the f- the face of the first round, like the one that everyone's saying, but that series, that's going to be the best one. In 2012, we had that with the series against Memphis, which was just insane from game one on to game seven. 2013, you would argue we had that too. You can make an argument for Denver-Golden State. That was a really good series. But with Kobe having torn his uh, Achilles and then OKC in Houston with Russ Torsman, like that, that's a 1-8. That's never going to be the most exciting. But Clippers and Grizzlies, you know, two years in a row was the kind of the series in that first round. And then 2014, which I consider the best first round of my life, us against Golden State, you know, with everything going on, Donald Sterling, like that was such an amazing series. Like we're never the NBA TV series. Like, we're always going to be the series that's going to be on TNT, ESPN, ABC, all the big-time national televised games. They always throw the the least relevant series. Sorry, Toronto fans, but mainly the series involving Toronto on Milwaukee, these kind of teams, always on NBA TV. But Lakers, Clippers, like LeBron, like, we always get the uh, the big networks. San Antonio 2015, like, that was the series. That wasn't a very good first round for the NBA, but... That series was like a second-round quality series, and I think that's what we're going to be seeing in this series, a second-round quality series from a team that's bullshitted the regular season the whole way. Now their feet are being held to the fire. Now Ty Lu, this is where he needs to show everybody that all the stuff we've been saying, people like myself all season, you like it doesn't matter. You show everybody why you are who everybody thinks you are. You are the man. You're going to make adjustments. Playoff Ty Lue is for real. And playoff Kawhi. We've put all our stock into playoff Kawhi and playoff Ty. They got to come through. But I also want to say this to all the load management defenders. You can shut the fuck up talking about me bitching and stuff. Because all season you want to say what's most important is that the Clippers get to the playoffs healthy. Oh, yeah? Risking a game for that. What happened? Are we healthy? Are we healthy? Exactly. You know why? Because when you play a contact sport like basketball, any moment, any play, anything can fucking happen. It's all a probability game, but at what cost? Now we're playing against the Phoenix Suns and KD in round one. There were several games that we could have changed the outcome of, given, you know, having pushed the players to play a little bit. And I'm not blaming the players because I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. From what I've been told, our medical staff is extremely cautious, overly cautious. And, you know, I got nothing to say, but you made your bed. Now you have to lay in it or beat the odds. And I'm going with the Clippers in six. Fuck is you talking about? Sorry if I hurt your ears. Clippers in six. Just kidding. Clippers in seven because I'm saying seven because I did it again with that green screen. I'm saying seven because I just think that they're at least going to win three games. And I have a feeling that. They're going to choke in Game 7 at home, and it's going to be hilarious. KD's going to get criticized like crazy. Chris Paul is going to be roasted like never before. It's going to be great. But let's talk about some of the other series. This The series that I think has the best chance of competing with us for the best series of the first round, because look, man, I mean, Kawhi versus Kevin Durant in their primes, basically, in a series. We haven't seen them play each other in a series since 2017 for one game and 2019 for less than one game. Both of them less than one game. They haven't played since 2016 properly. And they've met in 2014, too. Damn, they've played a lot in the playoffs, but not when Kawhi was considered on the same level of a player as KD. This is going to be amazing. Uh, KD with his new team, Kawhi with his relatively new team, but... Wow. This is also going to be the first time Kawhi's playing in front of a sold-out playoff Clipper crowd. That's going to be cool. I mean, not like he cares, but it's going to be cool. Just going to make for some cool moments uh, with the crowd. Russell Westbrook in front of a playoff crowd is going to be insane. I can't wait for that. 
he's going to be playing his first playoff basketball in front of a sold-out crowd since 2019. It's been four years for Russ. And Russ versus KD in the playoffs. I mean, are you kidding me? Seven years after the departure. This is going to be insane. Chris Paul versus Russ, but now we get Russ and they get Chris. Oh, man. What storylines in this? Unreal. It's going to be good. Clippers versus Suns Part 3. But I was going to say, the only other series that has a chance of matching us with the excitement is Golden State versus Sacramento, the NorCal matchup. You got the defending champions, older, versus the fast, up-and-coming, the excitement around Sacramento. I mean, those games are going to be crazy, but now you're going to have a lot of Warriors fans going to those games. But you might have a good amount of Kings fans going to the Golden State. I mean, I think overall the home games will still be overwhelmingly Sacramento and Warriors fans. The atmospheres in those games are going to be ridiculous. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And how crazy would it be if the Kings teach the Warriors a lesson about bullshitting in the regular season, which they did, which they did. Wiggins thing aside, injuries aside, they completely, you know, Kerr, he doesn't take the regular season too seriously. And granted, I think they're the only team that can do that. But the Kings, they just totally took advantage of the process. And we will see how it goes. I'm not going to make a prediction for that series on this episode. I'm going to save it for the preview. But I think I would not underestimate Sacramento in that series. As for Brooklyn and Philly, I got the Sixers in five. We got a little rematch of the 2019 uh, series between the Sixers and the Nets. Obviously, Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris are like the only leftover players from that. I think the Nets are good. I think Mikhail Bridges will have a good home game, but I think... Maximum six games, but it's going to be 4-1 Sixers. I think there's no problem there. But good for Brooklyn to still stay in the playoffs. I would have rather seen Philly and Miami in the first round, but it is what it is. Now we're probably going to see Miami versus Boston rematch. Conference finals rematch in the first round. That's going to be nuts, but not making a prediction yet. I would say don't underestimate the Kings. And it's crazy because the Kings will be the higher seed, but the Warriors are going to be completely favored in the series. Sixers and five, though. Don't got much to say there. This is put put up or shut up for a beat in them, by the way, who have been who are forty two and seventeen since Harden came back from that injury in December. And then we got the other series, which is in the East, four versus five. Who am I? Not, who am I forgetting right now? New York versus Cleveland. Oh, I got that's gonna be awesome. I can't wait for that one. I'm still waiting to hear back from the Julius Randle news. But I got Cavs in seven. I think it's going to distance. It's going to be so cool to see sold-out MSG. We haven't seen that in 10 years in the playoff game. I think, though, even though Brunson, I think is going to be great. I think it really comes down to who the best player in the series is. And I think it's going to be Donovan. Last year, we saw Jalen Brunson versus Donovan Mitchell. Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie versus Donovan Mitchell, I should say. And Jalen Brunson probably was the best player in the series. Donovan did not have a good playoff series. He did not have a good final four games of the Clippers series. They said he was injured, but he made the same mistakes he made last year, fully healthy. So I'm not buying that. So he's had two bad playoff series. Blew a 3-1 lead in 2020. It wasn't very good in the Houston series in 2019. I mean, Donovan has had really good playoff moments and games, but he's also had a lot of bad ones that we don't talk about enough. I am so excited to see the Cavaliers host a playoff series without LeBron James on the roster. I've never seen that in my life. It is going to be amazing. I would say Golden State and uh, and Sacramento, though, is still the second most exciting series right now. And then I would say Cleveland and New York. And then I think the two versus seven has potential to be more exciting than uh, Philly and Brooklyn. 
And then the play-in. Miami and Atlanta rematch from last year's first round with a Heat 1-4-1. Uh, pretty different situations meeting in the play-in this year. Atlanta for the second straight year getting the 8th seed. But I believe they were the ninth seed last year and beat Cleveland in the first play-in game. So this is going to be in Miami. I got the Heat winning, uh, beating them again. It's going to be Heat versus the Celtics in the first round, which is going to be insane. I would say that may be the second most popular series after ours. Ours is going to be number one, no matter what. Like You can't beat Kawhi versus KD. You can't beat two teams that were expected to go to the championship, like two, two of the top three championship picks in the West a couple weeks ago. I should say top four because Warriors and Nuggets. So two of the top four teams predicted to go to the championship from the West a couple weeks ago, and now Paul George is hurt. But you still got Kawhi versus KD. But... That playing game, I'm going with uh, Miami. Miami versus Boston is going to be nuts. Rematch. Uh, tell me what you think in the, in the comments, by the way. Everyone, I think, is consensus agreeing that Clippers and Suns is the number one matchup. But Warriors, Kings for the second one, or Heat and Celtics? Which one are you most excited to see after that? I don't know. I may have to go with the Celtics and the Heat. I don't know. But I'm just like, so excited to see the Kings in the playoffs. Like Because they're going to be such underdogs, even though they're the higher seed. I think that's going to be hilarious. And then Minnesota, so then we got OKC, you know, what's the other one in the East? Oh, Toronto versus Chicago is going to be really cool because we got DeMar DeRozan returning to Toronto for a play-in game. That's going to be awesome. I mean, just going to be a cool moment for him. I got Toronto winning, but I think you never know in a one-game situation like that. And Toronto's got to win the game. There's a lot of pressure on Siakam and them. They've had a weird season, been better in the second half of it, but they got to win that game, man. I won't be doing any preview content for that. So as far as I'm concerned, I mean, Toronto's had a pretty decent season. Maybe I will do a little preview of that. We'll see. I'll make it short. It's going to be fun. It's going to be pretty fun. I got Toronto, though, which would mean Toronto versus Atlanta for the final spot. It's going to be electric. And since New York made the playoffs and I didn't expect them to, I am going to have to go with... Toronto missing the playoffs this year. I think the AC will be Atlanta, and I think they will play against the Milwaukee Bucks in round one, a rematch of the 2021 Eastern Conference Finals. So that'll be fun. And then we've got the Western Conference, New Orleans and Oklahoma City. That's going to be fun because during Katrina, when I first became a fan of basketball, the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm sorry, the New Orleans Hornets were the Oklahoma City Hornets for those two years with Chris Paul during Katrina. So, Chris Paul, it doesn't matter about Chris Paul, but OKC and New Orleans, you know, those franchises kind of have that kindred bond, I would say. So New Orleans, it's going to be in New Orleans, Oklahoma City playing them, and I got the Pels all day. But if SGA wins, oh man, I don't want to see the Pels go home though. I really like the Pels. They need to win that game. I was unfortunate they lost that game to the Wolves, um, and the Clippers could have gotten the sixth seed. If they had lost, they would have gotten the sixth seed, but... You, can't, you couldn't guarantee anything. And by the way, the scuffle during the game. By the way, fuck Rudy Escar Gobert touching my boy Kyle Anderson like that. Get the fuck out of here. He's such a bum. Everywhere he goes, they don't like him. D'Lo doesn't like him. Donovan doesn't like him. He did the COVID thing. He shut down the league. Here he goes again. And I don't know what the Wolves are going to do because that's just in between the boys. But you can't suspend him for a playing game against the Lakers. Fuck no. You got to just get over it and play. But Jaden McDaniels, oh my God, fractured his hand punching something on the way out. What a dumb team. Just continuing their low IQ stuff from last season's playoffs. They're ridiculous. They're going to lose to the Lakers. But what I want, this is my dream scenario, is they beat the Lakers. The Lakers then, but I like the Pelicans so much. Fuck, why couldn't the Pelicans win that game? 
Because I really want the Lakers to play Denver. I want one of those big guns out. Because I think the Lakers will beat Memphis, man. I really do. It'll be cool if Memphis... I hate them both. I, I don't hate the Lakers historically, but I hate this Laker team. And I hate Memphis historically. So it's going to be two teams I despise. I may have to root for the Lakers, honestly. But I, yeah, I would probably root for the Lakers and then root against the Lakers in the next round. But yeah, go Lakers if they play Memphis, honestly. Fuck the Grizzlies. Teddy Bears. Um, but... I want Minnesota to beat the Lakers. We get Minnesota versus Memphis rematch. That would be great. I would love that. And then we get the Lakers and the Nuggets in the first round. And then sorry, New Orleans, you were just too injury prone this year. And you fucked around at the end. You had to win. But uh, that's my dream scenario. But overall, I think the Lakers made out really well here. So for all you Laker fans that were waiting for me to talk about you, I think you made out really well here. Took care of business today. Going into the playoffs with some good form. Besides that Clipper game, you've taken care of business. Playing really well. One, I believe it's... Nine out of the last 11 games. LeBron looks much better than he did towards the end of the 2021 season. Uh, I think he'll have a point to prove after not a very good performance. Probably his worst playoff performance in that last playoffs when he was not fully healthy. But still, when the Lakers were up 2-1, he looked good. So I don't want to hear the excuses. He just gave up in some of those games. And it was his first first-round series loss. Remember, LeBron's never lost in the first round. That was a huge thing. Jordan has all that bullshit. But he lost. So we'll see what happens now. I think the Lakers take care of business and beat Minnesota. I also want to say congratulations to the Laker fans, even though only 18,000 will be in attendance. This is going to be the first sold-out Laker playoff game, postseason game, since the game I went to, 2013 Game 4, Dwight Howard walking out, being ejected against the Spurs. It's crazy that it's been 10 years since the Lakers will host a real postseason game with sold-out crowd. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see Staples Center with three, all three of their teams Having playoff games in the same year. Haven't had that since 2013. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Go Kings, who are the only one with home field or home ice advantage. It's home court, home ice advantage. Go Kings, man. They got the best chance of the three, in my opinion. Just because, you know, it's the Kings. You can never count them out, no matter what team they got. When we got Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty. You just can never count them out. But, and by the way, I'm going to be doing some King stuff too. Not like going live, breaking down the game. I can't do that for hockey. I just don't know the game enough. But like vlogs, talking about them briefly, shorts, all that. But it's going to be really cool to see Staples Center rocking like 2012 again. 2012 was sick because we had all of them in the second round. That one was crazy. Um, best staff in the world, in my opinion, Staples Center. But Lakers and Wolves, I'm going with the Lakers. I think it's not a big deal if the Lakers lose the game also. I think they just got to win one of them. Because Denver and, and Memphis, Laker fans, I got so many of them that follow me, subscribe to me. You let me know in the comments, who would you rather play, Minnesota or Memphis? I'm sorry, Denver or Memphis? I would rather play uh, Memphis because they don't have Jokic. They're less experienced. But the Lakers match up pretty well with Denver. So, like, I wouldn't care, honestly, if I were them. You knew that playing in the play-in, you were going to have an uphill battle either way. The whole thing about the Lakers has been, if you get LeBron and AD healthy with a good supporting cast, I like my chances against anyone. You got that. You got that. Now you just got to win one game against Minnesota, and you guarantee your spot against Memphis. So, Lakers and Memphis... I'm not going to talk about that till it's confirmed, but I like the Lakers' chances. I also think I like Memphis' chances. They're a young team, but the Lakers are not that old anymore. They made trades to get younger. And then we've got a potential New Orleans, if things go as I planned it, New Orleans versus Denver, which would be fun, or Minnesota-Denver. I think Denver's got it either way. Denver just doesn't want to see the Lakers. I'm Denver. Just I want the Lakers to win against Minnesota, but... Ooh, it's going to be fun, guys. That's it for me. I, I can't actually stay on. I, I really appreciate the 95 of you all in here. 
Um, I tried to go live. That's as long as I'm going to go. That's going to be the last podcast I release till Psych tomorrow. I'm going to have a really good episode planned with two Mavs fans. I've been waiting to get them on the pod. This is going to be great. They're going to talk about everything that went wrong. Because don't think I'm not going to talk about Dallas, guys. We need this for the archives. But appreciate you, everybody. I also want to say one more thing about the Clippers series. I'm worried about Norman Powell's foul baiting going away in the playoffs and them funneling him to his left because he's so right-hand dominant. He's like a 60s player or 70s player. They taught you back then, master your strong hand, worry about the uh, weekend later, secondary. Now it's different. Both hands very emphasized. So, like, you you see guys in the 60s and 70s who are, like, insane going to the strong hand. Like, you don't see as many players that are super dominant in that way. You have some now, but people are more well-rounded in terms of two hands. But... Norman Powell is like, I'm not saying he never finishes with his left, but when even when he goes to his left, he just tries to get the bump and throw it up. Like, he, he uses that foul counter, that foul baiting counter, but he's so right-hand dominant. I wonder, you know, with scheming, they're going to see stuff. And I also think one thing they're going to notice is um, Mason Plumley being put in the pick and roll. Bring him out. But we'll see. I, I can go on and on about the preview to the series. We'll do more episodes on that. But peace out, everybody. I got to go. In 30 minutes, I'm recording with two Mavs fans for a big-time episode. Peace out. Everybody have a good day.